today, this evening, we have gathered together in this holy place, Sri Sri Radha Govindaji Mandir, to join the family of Nathji Prabhu, to honor the sacred vows of marriage which have recently been taken by His Grace Keshava Prabhu and Namamrita Mataji. Auspiciousness is invoked upon any activity primarily by the chanting of the holy names of God and satisfying the Lord's devotees. By this process, everything becomes auspicious. There is a verse in the third canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam where Lord Vishnu describes that of all the Vedic rituals and of all the uh, recitation of mantras, shastra, and all the undertakings of tapasya, there is no sacrifice more pleasing to me than feeding my devotees with nice prasad cooked with ghee. <laughs> In other words, there is no greater sacrifice, there is no better means of invoking auspiciousness on any occasion than pleasing the Lord's devotees. And the Lord's devotees are very easily pleased. Simply by giving them a chance to congregationally chant the holy names, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Giving little prasad, some space to dance, huh? <laughs> and the devotees are satisfied. <laughs> that is, no need for elaborate arrangements for this particular type of jagya or sacrifice. It's a little floor space, little prasad, and the holy name. It is said in the Vishnu Purana that jagya sankirtanam vishnor jagan mangalamang hasan. This means 
that when the devotees gather together to chant the holy names, the supreme auspiciousness is manifested. That even the most inauspicious circumstance imaginable becomes completely auspicious as soon as the name of God is present. And it is described in the 11th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Krishna Varnam Fisa Krishnam Sangopangasya Parashadam Jagyai Sankirtana Prayaya Jantihi Sumedasaha. That in this age of Kali Yuga, there's only one practical sacrifice to be performed. In previous yugas, they would do the Ashramedha Jagya, the Gomedha sacrifice. So many strict vows. But in this age of Kali Yuga, those with sufficient intelligence, they will perform the divine sacrifice of the congregational chanting of the holy names of the Lord. Nama Sankirtanam Yasya. In the, the last verse of Bhagavatam describes that the chanting, the congregational chanting of the holy name of the Lord relieves one of all sins and uplifts one to the highest perfection of consciousness. Kalera dosa nidherajan astiheka mahanguna kirtanareva krishnasya mukta sangha parambrajat. Kali Yuga is very difficult to get anywhere spiritually. Kali Yuga is an ocean of demoniac qualities that are constantly trying to divert our attention away from God. It is almost impossible to be God-conscious in Kali Yuga. But there is one benediction, that simply by chanting the holy name of Krishna, one can attain the supreme perfection of liberation. Therefore, when the devotees come together to honor a particular occasion and they chant the holy names and they dance and they honor prasad, if we can somehow or other satisfy the devotees in this way, ah, then all auspiciousness is upon us. This is the essence of all benedictions. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said in his Shikshastakam prayer, Chaito Dharapana Marajanam Bhava Mahadavagni Nirvapanam. This means that the chant, the congregational chanting of the holy name is the prime benediction upon all humanity. Ah. So on this auspicious evening, the marriage of Namamrita and Keshava have been blessed with the supreme benediction of the auspicious blessings of the Vaishnavas. This is our only business, simply to give auspicious blessings. We don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> if we knew anything else, we probably would be doing that. 
<laughs> so all the devotees should uh, know that marriage in Krishna consciousness is a very beautiful and sacred undertaking. It is a divine service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Marriage in Krishna consciousness is for the sake of pleasing Krishna. Sometimes we may like our partner, sometimes we may not like our partner. Isn't that the nature of the mind? Accepting, rejecting. But a devotee remains steady and constant because his goal is service to the Lord. Therefore, this vow, like all vows taken before the deity of Lord Sri Krishna and before the Vaishnavas and Guru, must be accepted as our life and soul. I remember one time at Nubrindavan, Srila uh, Prabhupada was visiting and he was sitting in his garden. Many wonderful pastimes took place in this garden. So on this one occasion he was sitting on his Vyasasan and every evening around five o'clock till eight o'clock in the evening he would informally answer questions. So one devotee Actually, I'll tell you one little thing that happened just before this. Prabhupada was sitting there and some very, very mischievous, materialistic people, they decided they wanted to disturb Prabhupada's darshan. So they had these motorcycles and they were just driving his the garden was right next to a road. So they kept coming on the road right where Prabhupada was and making all noise with their motorcycles. There was about five or six of them. They kept going back and forth making so much noise. So one devotee, he went and said to Prabhupada, he said, I will go tell them to stop and go away. And Prabhupada looked at that devotee and smiled. He said, you are so foolish. Do not you know what the mind of a materialist is? He said, if you tell them to stop, then they will make more noise. Better to just ignore them and they will go away. And he, then Prabhupada imitated them. He said, they are simply enjoying bothering people by making this sound. So in their next life, they will take birth as flies. <laughs> and they will spend their whole lives bothering people going, 
So Prabhupada at times was very funny. But then after that, one devotee asked the question, Prabhupada, what if after taking the vow of initiation, one falls down? And, and when he said and, Prabhupada cut him off very fast. He said, what is the question of falling down? There is no question of falling down. He said, you have given your word, your promise, before the deity of Lord Sri Krishna. You have given your word, your promise, before the sacred fire of Vishnu. You have given your vow before the spiritual master and before all the assembled Vaishnavas. It is your promise. No gentleman will ever break his promise. Therefore, there is no question of even considering falling down. Do not even mention such a thing. Do not even think of such a thing. It is abominable. And all the devotees became very grave and very serious, at least for the time being. The nature of Kali Yuga <clears throat> is we tend to forget. But by the association of sadhus, the aim of life and the gravity of our vows in devotional service are constantly renewed. So the vow of initiation, the vow of marriage, the vow of taking sannyas, the renounced order of life, these are all most grave and serious steps that we have accepted on behalf of Krishna. They are great responsibilities. Our Guru Maharaj used to say that you advance in Krishna consciousness exactly according to how you are willing to take responsibility for your Guru and Krishna. Those who are not willing to accept responsibility, their advancement is very slow. But those who accept responsibility and follow those responsibilities with a vow of determination, Drita Vrata, they very quickly attain the causeless mercy of Sri Krishna. Satatam kirtayanto mam yatantas chadritavrata namashyantascha mam bhaktya nitya yukta upashate. Krishna says in the ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, ah, My devotees are constantly chanting my holy names and they are constantly endeavoring with a vow of determination. This is the formula for spiritual advancement. 
and the samskara of marriage is entering into an arena of life <clears throat> which is based on a determined vow that the husband and the wife their only business is to assist one another in upgrading their spiritual consciousness in uplifting this, the Krishna consciousness of human society and especially of taking the responsibility for whatever children God may gift us that they never take birth in this material world again. In the seventh canto of Bhagavatam it is described there are two categories of married couples. One is Grihamedi and one is Grihasta. Griha means home. Medina means envious. A Grihamedi is always living within his home and is always envious of others. Because the nature of material life is envy. Ah. In, in our country, the United States of America, there's a common saying amongst householders, keeping up with the Joneses. Huh? Did you ever hear about that? Yeah. Here you may keep up with the Patels. In other words, whatever your neighbor has, you have to have at least that much and more. Huh? There's always this competition. If they get a 1989 Chevrolet, then you have to get at least the 1989 Cadillac. And then they see that, and they have to get a 1989 Lincoln Continental. Huh? Of course, here in India, ambassadors, Marutis, Contessas, and ultimately Mercedes-Benz. In this way, there's endless competition based on envy. We cannot tolerate somebody doing better than us. We want what they have. And in this way, the desire for prestige and pride constantly nourish and feeds our envious propensities. So this is Grihamedi life. Attachment to sense gratification. It is described in the Bhagavatam that attachment to sex life is the basis of envy. So when a man and woman come together simply for sexual pleasures, they open their hearts to all varieties of enviousness and frustrations. But Grihasta life is different. Grihasta life is not based on mutual sense gratification. Grihasta life is based on a sacred duty, a duty to God, a duty to the spiritual master. 
that we come together to please the Lord, to live a, to live a simple and pure life for the satisfaction of Krishna. And then we can be happy, we can be prosperous, and we can contribute great prosperity to the world. And factually, in any order of life, this is the basic principle. The four varnas and the four ashrams, Brahmachari, Grihastha, Vanaprasta, and Sanyas, Brahman, Chatriya, Vaishya, Sutra. The goal and the purpose of all these four varnas and ashrams is simply to satisfy Krishna. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu described that the ultimate goal of life is prema pumartha mahan to love Krishna and to please Krishna. That is the only motivating force of an intelligent man. He is not motivated by so-called success or failure, honor or dishonor, happiness or distress, or even pleasure or pain. He is motivated only by his desire to please Krishna and to love Krishna. Ah. Bhakti Vinod Thakur has sang, has sung in one of his beautiful bhajans. Grihe tako vane tako Sadahari pole tako Suke duke bulonako Varne hari nam korore Gai goramadhu sware Gai goramadhu sware Grihe tako vane tako Satahari bole tako Grihe tako vane tako Satahari bole tako Suke duke bulonako Varne hari nam korore Gai goramadhu sware He's quoting Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is instructing everyone that whether you are a grihasta with a family and children and an occupation in this world or whether you are a sannyasi living in the forest who have renounced all material assets and is simply preaching the message of Godhead in either case whatever your position the supreme perfection of renunciation is to take the name of Krishna. If you simply take the name of Krishna and make it the essence of your life, then you are perfect. 
Suke duke bule nako. Then you will be freed from all happiness and distress of this material world, and you will attain the transcendental platform. Brahma bhuta prasanatma na sochati na kangshati. Whether one is a grihasta, or whether one is a sannyasi, or brahmachari, or vanaprasta. By taking the name of Krishna, one becomes freed from all hankering and lamenting. One attains that joyful position, prasanatma, of everlasting peace. This is the goal of life. This is the duty of every human being. So, well, however we can best serve, that should be the criterion of our decisions in this world. Ah. There is the story of Raghunathas Goswami. Ah. Raghunathas Goswami was a very expert householder, Grihasta man. He had crores of rupees, very young, very intelligent, beautiful wife. She was like an angel, very chaste, very obedient. He had beautiful parents who were very pious, very religious. But Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, ah, when he saw he was inclined toward renunciation, he ordered him to leave it all and take sannyas. Huh? At the same time, the Kurama Brahman, he was a Grihasta. He was living good life also. And he wanted to take sannyas so bad, he couldn't tolerate his family. <laughs> And he approached Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and said, I'm going with you. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, no, no. Yare de kathare kaha krishnu goi guru desh. You are a grihasta, you stay a grihasta. You, you continue on with your duties. Ah, but whoever you meet, you tell them about Krishna. And you always chant his holy names. That is all that is required. There is no need to change your position. And then there's the story of King Priyavrat. He was a brahmachari being trained by Narada Muni in strict principles of renunciation. And he had absolutely no desire or even the slightest inclination to come down off this mountain and enter into any worldly affairs. And Swayambhuva Manu thought he could best serve by coming down and getting married and having children and all of that. Huh? <laughs> so Priyavrat said, no, never, I'll never do it. <laughs> Famous last words of every brahmachari, right? <laughs> so then, finally Lord Brahma came to the scene. And he explained to Priyavrat ah, that the real principle of renunciation is how you can best serve, not what you like. <clears throat> you may like to be a renunciate, 
You may like to be a celibate living on this mountain just doing your bhajan, but you can best serve Krishna by becoming king, taking the responsibilities of a king, and getting married. Huh? At the same time, Raghunath Das Goswami was better than a king, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him, you can best serve Krishna by getting out of this deep, dark pit of family life and joining me at Radha Gopinath Tapo. <laughs> Actually, that's where he was living. Gopinath Mandir in Jagannath Puri. <laughs> so the criterion of what we decide to do in life should not be whether we like it or who we like or uh, whether it's pleasing to our senses. When we chant the Hare Krishna mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, we are praying to the Lord, ah, my dear Radharani, oh, Vrindavaneshwari, Goddess of Vrindavan, my dear Lord Sri Krishna, Vrindavan Nath, Lord of Vrindavan, how may I serve you? Please engage me in your service. This is the prayer of the heart of the devotee. This is the constant prayer which should ever be echoing within the core of our heart. My dear Lord, how may I serve you? And whatever way we can best serve, whatever way we can most increase the quality of our service to the Lord. That should be the moment-to-moment -moment criterion by which we make every decision in our life. Huh? A materialistic person makes all decisions according to what I like, what suits me. Huh? But a devotee makes all decisions based on what Krishna likes and what suits him. Altogether different psychology. One psychology endlessly entangles the mind in complexities. Because from one moment to the next, we never know what pleases us and what suits us. Huh? <laughs> But, by approaching the great sadhus, we can easily understand what pleases Krishna. And by always striving in our life for this purpose, Krishna says in Gita, Kontaya pratijani hiname bhakta pranashyati. Krishna is the eternal protector of such a devotee. Srila Rupa Goswami has said that if you simply make your life an offering to Krishna, don't think you lose anything. The only thing you lose is all your miseries. 
in all your anxieties, in all your doubts. We should not be afraid to please Krishna. But we should be scared to death to please our senses. Huh? <laughs> that is just the opposite psychology that we are conditioned in this world. world. When Krishna says surrender, we become very scared. Huh? Oh my God. Again, I have to surrender. But when the senses, when the senses are inviting us, ah, enjoy, enjoy, we think, oh, how nice. Oh, what a peaceful existence I could live enjoying my senses. Huh? So a materialist is afraid to surrender to Krishna, and he's very much at ease pleasing his senses. But if you want to make proper spiritual advancement, you have to completely reverse your thinking. You have to be afraid to please your senses, and you have to be very much at ease pleasing Krishna. Sarvopadiva nirmoktam tatparatvena nirmalam rishikena rishikesha sevanam bhaktiruchyatai. But if you please Krishna, you please your senses to the best, the most. Krishna consciousness is the topmost sense gratification. You don't lose anything. Devotees are chanting and dancing in bliss. Huh? If a materialist were to come into the room tonight, he would think, my God, what is going on? These people are too happy. This is not fair. Right? They must be brainwashed. <laughs> Otherwise, this is not possible that people can be so happy. Huh? That's a fact. Because when you surrender to Krishna, you enjoy the ultimate sense gratification. To the degree you give up your selfish desire for sense gratification and give your senses for Krishna's pleasure, to that degree you enjoy. A real enjoyment. Best food, best music, best company, best everything. Krishna is the best. Just like Prabhupada, you know those Simply Wonderfuls, where you take powdered milk and squeeze butter and powdered sugar together and make balls. It's called Simply Wonderfuls. So when Prabhupada first came to America, he started making these Simply Wonderfuls. And devotees, especially new people, they liked them very much. <clears throat> there are many historical references to the glories of Simply Wonderfuls. <laughs> I know many, many persons who became devotees not because of Bhagavad Gita, not because of Kirtan, but initially because they just couldn't stop eating Simply Wonderfuls. <laughs> I know one devotee who today 
is one of the top sannyasis of the ISKCON movement. And he told me that the first time he came to a temple, he wasn't interested. He just heard that they had good food. Huh? So he sat there, and they gave him a nice plate of prasad. And then at the very end, they gave him a Simply Wonderful. <laughs> so he ate the Simple Wonderful. And then he liked it very much. So he asked, do you have any more of those round balls? And when he asked the devotee that question, as far as the devotee was concerned, this person is a candidate for pure devotional service. <laughs> that was how, during Sunday feasts in the old days, that's how we would decide who to preach to. I'm serious. You'd have a hundred people in the room, they'd all be eating prasad, you'd give them only one Simply Wonderful. <laughs> and if anyone asked for seconds, you'd know that this person was sent by Lord Chaitanya. <laughs> and if anyone asked for thirds, you'd know that this person had done heaps of pious activities in his previous lives. And if anyone would ask for fourths, then you'd sit down and you'd preach to him. But how would you preach to him? Ah, in order to keep his interest, you'd have a whole plate of them. And you just give Tell a little philosophy and then another one. A little <laughs> They were in rapt attention. Because they knew if they stopped listening, you wouldn't give them any more. <laughs> so this sannyasi was telling me, he came to the temple and he asked for another Simply Wonderful. He ended up eating 40 Simply Wonderfuls. By that time, it was so late, and he was so full, that he just went to sleep right in the temple. And when he woke up in the morning for breakfast, they gave him Simply Wonderful. And he ate another 40 for breakfast. And then he left. And he went down the street, and halfway through the day, he decided he'd pay another visit to the temple. <laughs> and for lunch, he ate about 40 Simply Wonderful. And after lunch, the devotee said, listen, why do you make life so hard on yourself? Why don't you just join the temple and live here and then you could just, you don't have to keep coming back and forth. So he said, all right. And he shaved his head and he put on robes and in this way he lived happily ever after. Ah. I 
I have, I have promised not to tell his name. He's a very prestigious and honorable sannyasi, and I don't want people to think of him like this. But one day, Srila Prabhupada, he was taking his prasad, and one nice Mataji made some simply wonderfuls for Prabhupada. Ah. This is actually before they were named Simply Wonderfuls. They were just, they called them balls, sweet balls. Huh? So they just gave Prabhupada this sweet ball. And they said, Prabhupada, how do you like that? And he said, ah, it is simply wonderful. He said, your prasad is simply wonderful. Said, your devotees are simply wonderful. Your Krishna is simply wonderful. The holy name is simply wonderful. Krishna consciousness is simply wonderful. And that is a fact. Vishayavanivartante nirahara to give up material ways of life is very difficult. Unless you experience something higher, something sweeter, something more pleasurable. Krishna consciousness is that higher taste. Bhakti, devotion, love of God is the supreme happiness. It is simply wonderful. So to the degree we put aside our own personal ambitions, we stop discriminating according to my likes and dislikes, my moods, and we make our aim of life increasing our service to Krishna and satisfying Krishna's desires. To that very degree, the mercy of the Lord, the grace of God, makes our life simply wonderful. And we experience that higher taste, that ultimate pleasure of divine love. And a devotee knows that there is nothing more satisfying to Krishna. There is absolutely nothing in the creation that pleases Krishna more than inducing others to chant his holy name. And that is... That is his word. So therefore, how we can help others become Krishna conscious, how we can spread the glories of the holy name, this should be the way we think and the way we decide step by step in every circumstance in life what is to be done. 
of glorifying his holy name and inducing others to love him. So at this time of the year, Lord Sri Krishna uh, in Mathura appeared on a moonless night uh, as the son of Vasudeva and Devaki. It is the most glorious and auspicious day in all of the creation, the day that the Supreme Personality of Godhead chose to incarnate in his original, pure, transcendental form to induce the world to hear about him and glorify him. That is his only business for coming to this world. Janmastami is a celebration which is the greatest opportunity to glorify God and to attract others to glorify the name and glories of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, it is the greatest opportunity for devotees to render the highest service to the Lord. So we should feel privileged and grateful for any chance we have to help this wonderful Sankirtan movement of the Personality of Godhead. So, at Sri Sri Radha Gopinath Mandir, Sri Radha Gopinath, they have appeared in such a way so beautiful, so merciful. Their only business of coming to this wretched land of Tropati is to give their soothing darshan and mercy to all living entities. Imagine, from Goloka Vrindavan to Chopati Bombay, Huh? Goloka Vrindavan is the place ah, Rama Samhita describes, where the whole land is Chintamani. Bombay, Chopati. It's just dust and dirt and broken up cements. Huh? Goloka Vrindavan is a place of kalpabriksha trees, peacocks, singing sweetly the beautiful river Jamuna. Chopati, you have the ocean contaminated with all chemicals and hundreds of people passing stool on the sand. Rats running around everywhere. Why in the world would Krishna come to a place like this? Not only that, but he brings Radharani. Huh? Usually, a man will never bring a respectable girl to a place like that. Right? But Sri Sri Radha Gopinath have both appeared only to attract the uncivilized, barbaric materialists of this world to their lotus feet. 
and they are expecting their devotees to assist them. That is our mission in life. And Janmashtami is a day where tens and thousands of people are vulnerable to the mercy of Sri Sri Radha Gopinath. So therefore we should make this a festival that is most pleasing to the Lord and His Divine Consort. We should work very hard. And in order to make it a success, ah, Sri Sri Radha Gopinath have personally arranged for these nice pamphlets to be made. Aha. Uh-huh. What we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Service. So, Pridayananda, could you explain a little how these work? <laughs> very much Sri Dainanda Prabhu. And thank you all very much for coming tonight. Patiently tolerating me this long. And thank you very much Natsuji Prabhu, Maitali Priya Mataji for receiving and graciously hosting so many devotees this evening. Thank you for a wonderful experience. And thank you, Keshava and Namamrita, for being such wonderful devotees. My humble request is that all the Vaishnavas in the room take a few moments of silence to pray for their well-being, their spiritual prosperity, and devotional life on this occasion of your marriage. It is the duty of a devotee to pray for the benefit of others, to pray for the upliftment, especially of our God brothers and God sisters. So let us take a few moments to offer this prayer to Sri Radha Govindaji. I thank you very much.